Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. And i um, really excited this morning because we are in the book of Acts and it might be my favourite chapter in the whole Bible, I think. Um, Psalm 27 is running a close second at the moment because I have been having to memorise it. But Acts chapter 2 is where so much action takes place. And, uh, and so last week we looked at the fact that Jesus appeared to his disciples. He'd appeared many times in many ways. Um, they were in a locked room at one point and just went, Jesus! And he was right there. That's the only time, by the way, you're allowed to be surprised and say Jesus if it's actually Jesus right there. And, um, and, and there he was. And so they, then he instructed them to wait for the Holy Spirit. Uh, they replaced Judas with Matthias. That's what happened last week. And then chapter 2, we open with on the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost is the harvest festival. So in Leviticus chapter 23, we've got a bunch of festivals that are written out and and given as instruction for the people of Israel. Um, One of the first ones is Passover. And then they're instructed to wait 50 days. Now in between that, there's Passover and then it's the festival of the unleavened bread. And then they have um, what's called the festival of the first fruits. Turn to the person next to you and say festival of the first fruits 50 times fast. And... um, and, and when you're done, just wipe your face. And, uh, and so 50 days after that, they count off the weeks. The festival of weeks is the festival of harvest. It's also 50 days after Good Friday, because as we know, they celebrated the Passover on Good Friday. And, um, and then after that, so we've got the festival of weeks, the, the harvest festival. And then after that, you have the festival of trumpets. And then after that, you have the day of atonement. And then after that, you have the No, sorry, it goes the other way around. Oh, you know, no, Festival of Tabernacles, I've got two FTs. I was just trying to work out what was happening there. Festival of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, Festival of Tabernacles, which is the shelter. So essentially what's happening now is it's after the day of Pentecost, it's before the trumpet sounds, the Festival of Trumpets, and it's before then we shelter with the Lord forever. So that is the period of time that we're living in right now. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Just like, <laughs> without the micro- microphone. And, um, and this word pneuma in the Greek is the word ruach in the Old Testament. The wind of God, this powerful wind blowing. And um, it filled the house with our sitting verse 3 then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them this is so powerful because in the Old Testament when they were led out of the wilderness they were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and here we have in the same way a powerful windstorm and a powerful fire coming into the room and it is the spirit of Yahweh himself that is in the room at the time the same one that delivered them out of bondage took them through the wilderness and led them into the promised land verse for everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or your version might say other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, verse 5, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. Now, in fact, this was completely unnecessary because all the Jews that were gathered in that place would have spoken Greek or Aramaic. And so they could have just spoken to them and everyone would have understood anyway. But there was a supernatural activity taking place and it was a sign and a wonder of the Holy Spirit coming. 
that in fact, people were hearing what the disciples were saying in their own vernacular. Verse seven, they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, that's where they make pamphlets, Egypt and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we hear all these people speaking in our own languages not just about the weather, but about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So there's this rattling off of tongues by people. And yet everyone is understanding what they're saying. And what they're saying is the amazing and wonderful things that God has done. But other, others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they're just drunk. That's all. So to some of them, it just was babbling. If, if you're obviously, if Di's speaking Italian right now and I don't understand Italian, to me, she's just babbling. Maybe that's what they were talking about, that they were just babbling or maybe their actions were that they, that they looked a little bit, a little bit drunk. And, uh, and, you know, that messes with our need to control and our what, desire to have everything perfectly together. But maybe they were like, I don't know if you've ever seen a drunk person. I personally never, ever have. Uh, <laughs> Don't lie in the pulpit, Bronwyn. Um, but you know, it, it could be that things were a little bit crazy and a little bit out of control and that's why they thought they were drunk. Either way, the work of the Holy Spirit will always attract haters. We just need to get okay with that. People are not going to understand it. People are going to misrepresent it. The work of the Holy Spirit will always attract haters. Verse 14, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Jerusalem was not a, it's five o'clock somewhere culture. They were, it's nine o'clock, they were not drinking. They, uh, in fact, Jews didn't eat early, much less drink early. Um, it's nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Verse 16, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see dreams and your old, no, they'll see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Um, I was at a conference yesterday and preaching on pour your spirit out and actually preaching from the book of Joel <clears throat> rather than this passage. And as people who have grown up in a Pentecostal church or introduced to the Pentecostal church, just clear your throat. Yes, very ladylike. <clears throat> um, we can breeze past this, but this idea of God's spirit being poured out on all people when Joel said it, when this happened, was completely revolutionary. The Holy Spirit used to come upon a person for a task and empower them for a task. And when we got to the prophets in Isaiah, it was... Um, the promise was made that the Holy Spirit will rest upon a future leader. And that in itself was revolutionary. By the time Joel comes along and says he's going to pour out his Spirit on all people, people would have been like, really? How can that possibly happen? And so Peter stands up at this point and says, this is what's happening right now. His Holy Spirit is being poured out on all people. And he says in verse 21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
The whole thing, the goal of Pentecostalism always is that it does away with every divide, every race barrier, every gender barrier, every educational barrier, every socioeconomic barrier that we are put on this level playing field because we all have the Holy Spirit. How on earth can you look down on me when I've got the Holy Spirit and so do you? We've both got the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you follow Jesus today, if you made the decision like Nate said, I surrender, then you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. You might say, but Bron, I don't speak in tongues. No, no, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. People of Israel, he said, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through Him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen and His prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed Him to a cross and killed Him. But God released Him from the horrors of death and raised Him back to life, for death could not keep Him in its grip. King David said this about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for He is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts His praises. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You'll show me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself. That he died and was buried and his tomb is still here among us. So David couldn't have been talking about being delivered from death, but he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the high to the place of highest honour in heaven at God's right hand and the Father as He promised gave Him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. For David never himself ascended into heaven yet he said the Lord said to my Lord sit in the place of honour at my right hand until I humble your enemies making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone know in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts the supernatural work continues. That young tradie on the job site that Nath was talking to with a conversation about abortion and his heart is pierced. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. When someone responds to the gospel, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Peter was not schooled or educated and he gives this address, but the Holy Spirit is at work. And so they cry out to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children and those far away. That's us, by the way, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. As the story goes on and we're going to be looking in the book of Acts, we'll see time and time again that the Holy Spirit comes. And oftentimes it's accompanied by the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, yesterday when I was preaching at this conference, um, I I said, does anyone want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit? Just come out the front and I'll pray for you. And do you want to pray for anything at all? Come out the front and and a bunch of um, people lined up. And uh, the crazy thing was, is that I'd preach the whole sermon with my fly undone. And, um, and I didn't realise till I was praying for a girl 
Um, and I said, do you, do you want to, I, I, I spoke in tongues a little bit as I went to pray for her. And she said, what does it mean? And I said, oh, I don't have a clue. And, um, and she said, what? And she, and she was trying to wrap her head around. She's an English major. She's really intelligent. And she said, but you know, I don't understand. And I'm like, yeah, no, neither do I. It's a heavenly language that God gives. It's just a gift. I don't, I can't, I don't make it up. It just comes out. And she was like, well, why would I want to speak? And it's like, it builds your faith. That's what the Bible said. It says it builds your faith. And I prayed for her. And I said, oh, my fly's undone. <laughs> like this is supernatural spiritual moment with very natural things happening at the same time. And that is how the Holy Spirit operates. He understands we live in a very natural world. And we're, but we're able to be spiritual in the midst of this natural world. And she, um, like you could just, she was mouthing the words, but she just couldn't quite get to the place where she would speak out. And I said, that's all right. You just go home. You just, you know, maybe it'll be in the middle of the night. Maybe when you jump in the shower, just speak out. And, and, and I believe that you're, you're going to speak in tongues. I said to her mum, um, and she's like, yeah, I think so too. I said to her mum, do you want to speak in tongues? And she said, um, I, um, I don't really feel anything right now. I said, yeah, but do you want to speak in tongues? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, it's a gift. It's like, do you want the gift? And she's like, yeah. And I went, okay, prayed for her and she just started speaking tongues straight away. That is, you know, the, the way that God operates and the, the, the gift is for everybody. The gift that He gives is for everybody. As Pentecostals, this is what we believe, that everyone can. Does everyone? No. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. This is part of the mystery that we live in. So often there's a block in us where we, we want to be able to understand it all and everything that God does is by faith. Um, you know, I, some, so many people I've prayed for, they even say to me, Bron, there's just a block there. I can't get past it. I know it. I just so desperately want to understand before I launch out in faith. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, let's pray for that instead. Um, so we're going to pray today. We're going to pray. Nath, Nath, will you pray for healing? Is that all right? Okay, great. Nath's going to come. If anyone needs healing, he's going to pray for healing. If... Um, if you want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, um, I'm going to pray for you. If you want prayer for anything at all, people are going to pray for you today. And uh, I'm going to finish this chapter because this is probably my favourite part of the whole chapter, I've got to be honest. Verse 42, I really don't like the saying, I've got to be honest, because you have to be honest all the time. And yeah, to be honest, Dad says it all the time. I'm like, how often are you being dishonest with me that you have to say that to me? Uh, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching so just do this as a, like mentally check off if this is something that you do in your life. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So it's something you're doing. Word of God, are you in the Word of God? Are you listening to the Word of God? Are you devoting yourself to the teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer? If you can say yes to all of that, well done. 43, a deep sense of awe. Oh God, we pray for a deep sense of awe to come upon your church, Lord. We pray, Lord, that, Lord, we wouldn't just go through the motions, Lord. We pray for Shine Conference, that a deep sense of awe would come upon your people, Lord. Mighty God, we don't want to, Lord, we don't want to live this life. We want what's real, God. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property. The Lord's telling you to sell it. No, uh, this has happened one time, okay. And possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Temple, they gathered in the temple and they gathered at the table. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God. Team, you can come back up and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So 
there's this idea of Homer Thumadon happening here. And as someone who loves orchestras, I love this idea because it's the idea that everyone's coming together to play the same piece of music, but they've all got a different instrument and they sound different in pitch and tone, but it's rushing along in unison together and making this beautiful music together that even though they're so different, that this beautiful sense of awe can come on because they're gathered together with one accord. So Lord, Holy Spirit, we pray the ancient prayer of the church, come Holy Spirit. Even as the disciples didn't even know what that would look like or what they were really praying for. Jesus, You said, wait for the Holy Spirit. So they waited and they prayed, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And Lord, in this place right now, I pray that You would come. Um, behind me, you're going to see a picture of our dining table at home. I'm sorry about the crude picture that I took late last night. Bit of spilled ice cream there. Anyway, it's pretty messy. We've got kids. Um, that's our dining table. It was a gift from my, my mother um, to Phoebe and I when we were married 11 years ago. And part of, um, part of our courting phase, no one uses the word courting um, anymore, but when we were engaged, Phoebe said to me that she wanted a big dining table because she wanted to host people um, in our house. And so we have had, in fact, most of our married life, we've actually had the dining table in storage because we've been living in places like Melbourne where they don't have big dining rooms and we can't afford big places. Um, but we, we got this 10-seater. I know that there's not 10 seats around, but that's a 10-seater dining table so that we could bless other people. Phoebe was very clear when we got married that she wanted to be hospitable, that hospitality is one of her giftings and she wanted to open our home to people, be they Christian, be them non-Christian, be them friends, be them not friends or future friends, um, and people that we could bless. And it was a value that she was very clear to instill in our marriage and I got on board with that. She's a fantastic cook as well and she's lovely. So when... <laughs> I'm not trying to scratch around for brownie points, by the way. I reckon I'm pretty good in the positive this week. We've had a good week. Had a good week. Anyway. Um, and then when we, were, when we were engaged, we both led connect groups. Phoebe led a connect group full of young adult girls. We were in our early 20s. Um, I ran a connect group full of young adult boys, men, uh, young men. So about 18 to 20-odd years of age. And so when we, we would both cook for those groups every week. I don't know why we committed to that. You were at uni. Um, I was still living at home working full time. So it was fine for me, but you somehow were able to squeeze the budget uh, really well. I remember we lived, uh, I, I lived in Jesmond, Jesmond um, in New South Wales, postcode 2287, poorest postcode in New South Wales. Yeah, poorest postcode. So I lived there and um, because it's a huge university population. So Woolworths had really good specials, <laughs> really good specials. So anyway, when, you know, a dozen young fellas came in, we'd cook it for them and it was big lasagnas or just carbs and fats just to fill them up. <laughs> mashed but that's right, mashed potato sandwiches or whatever. No, no, that's great. They would have eaten it anyway. Um, but we wanted to have a value of hospitality. So when we got married, we would have 30, up to 40 people in our living room around that table. So that's had a lot of people around that table. And I hope and pray for decades to come. 
Um, it needs a stain and varnish, by the way, uh, after 10 years. I want to talk about hospitality this morning. Here's what the Bible says about hospitality. Before I read any particular verses, I just want to give an overview. Hospitality is an unobvious theme that goes all the way through the Bible. However, it is very important. So the Bible says about, talks about hospitality a few times, but it, does, it says it covertly a lot of the time. So in the Old Testament, the Jews had a really strong emphasis on hospitality. They were displaced from their land. They received hospitality from people. And when people would come to their land, in the promised land, they would give it out. Jesus, itinerant preacher, 12 disciples would go around and people would bless him and welcome him into their homes. Peter and Paul wrote to churches that they visited and they would greet people, thanking them for their hospitality. Hospitality is something that we engage in and it lifts us into a kingdomly, heavenly realm when we don't always realise it. Hospitality is a part of blessing other people in ministry. Here's a couple of verses. Romans 12, 13. Share with the Lord's people that are in need. Practice hospitality. I love that practice hospitality is one sentence. 1 Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Phoebe's an excellent cook. I'm a good talker and I'm good at small chat. So you're, you're often doing the cooking and I'm doing the chatting and they're our strengths. We turn that around and if I'm in the kitchen, you push me out. It's very good. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He sees it when you're cleaning up mess. He sees it when you offer drinks and food and people just come and consume it and don't bring their own. Don't you hate it when people don't BYO? Their drinks and food. Matthew 25, 35 to 40. For I, this is Jesus talking. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger or needing clothes um, or sick or in prison? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. When we partake in hospitality, we partake in something greater. We welcome Jesus into our homes. We welcome Jesus into our yards. We welcome Jesus into the place that we are extending hospitality and a kingdom event happens with just sharing a meal or sharing time together. You know, we use the word in our culture, entertaining. Magazines talk about entertaining, get your home right and ready for entertaining. Spring's coming, you better get your home ready for entertaining. You pick up Better Homes and Gardens magazine, Country Living, all of that. It's all about entertaining. And entertaining is good, but I think entertaining is just about showing off what you can do and showing off your house or showing off a nice recipe. And that's all fantastic because that's a blessing to other people. But hospitality takes entertaining and it brings God into it. Hospitality is where you put the value on the other person, your guest. Hospitality is when you open your house up to ministry. It's that ministry component. 
And it doesn't matter what your house looks like. It doesn't matter how good or bad a cook you are. It doesn't matter how messy your house is. All that matters is that you're opening up your heart and your house to people to minister to them. Hospitality is courageous and it's costly. Because when someone walks into a house, and we do this consciously or subconsciously, when you walk into someone else's house, maybe I just do this, I look at their bookshelves and I like to see what books they've read because it tells me about who they are and what they value. And I like to look at the pictures on the walls, whether they're artworks or whether they're Bible verses or whether they're just family portraits, but it shows me something else about the person that I don't know. And likewise, I feel like people are looking into who I am when they walk into my home, when they walk in and see the family portraits or the books on the bookcase. And so that's courageous because we're letting people into who we are just by letting them into our homes. And that can be scary too. We, um, on Friday night, we had eight little boys come over, um, six-year-old boys. We hosted them uh, because Archer wanted to invite a couple of friends. And anyway, so Phoebe organised it and she opened it all to, our, uh, to them and their parents came as well. And it was mayhem. <laughs> It was mayhem. It was nuts. Six-year-old boys on a Friday afternoon. Here's some sugar, fellas. Go for it. And it was, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. And at some point, the conversation between the adults, none of these families are church going, by the way. Um, the conversation in the, with the adults died down a little bit. We heard one of the boys run down the hallway screaming, this is the best night of my life. <laughs> I thought, whoa, okay, that's pretty cool. That touched me. It really touched me. The fact that just a simple invitation was taken um, with so much value. And we got to meet um, a couple of Archer's little mates. And um, I was cleaning up yesterday. Well, I started cleaning up. I need to go back now um, this afternoon. But was cleaning up yesterday morning and just thinking about the mayhem and the dog was eating popcorn off the ground and I was, um, I was cleaning up ice cream that had gone behind the lounge um, <laughs> underneath the, the cushions. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway. And, oh, the dog licked up too? Dog, dogs can do that? Can they eat ice cream? Can they eat popcorn? I don't know. Anyway, um, but as, I, as I'm cleaning that up, I'm starting to grumble. And I, I already had written in Hebrews 6.10 into the, my sermon notes. And I thought, no, hang on, let's, let's, uh, let's have a bit of a cheerful spirit here. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you're just getting started. <laughs> and I thought, no, God, that's it. We're done. It's one of the other parents can do it next time. 15 years more. 15 years more. Anyway, you're just getting started. And it wasn't because, it wasn't because we're just running a, a little gathering for my, for my boys um, so that their friends can come in. But I, had a, I was thinking about those dear little boys that came into our house who haven't heard the gospel, who might see a Bible verse on our fridge or see a book on our bookshelf and one day ask the question. Then I got praying about those little boys that they might come to know Jesus in our house, on our lounge, at our table, in our backyard or whatever it might be. And the fact that, Christ, that Christianity can be courageous and costly and hospitality can, can be courageous or costly. But when we open up our homes for people to come in, we open up the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. 
And I don't know if those boys are ever going to come to God. I pray that they do. But if, they, if, they're going, if our house is going to be a vehicle towards their salvation, then we have an open door policy for those boys. Here's some practical measures about what we can do. Blokes, we're not great with hospitality, but we do have a TV and the footy season's on and it's finals time. So why don't we invite guys over? Put a few drinks in the fridge. They're not coming for your wife's cooking. They're coming for a packet of chips. And so, so women, barbecue. So women, don't worry about being hospitable. Just let your man do it. And let's get blokes in lounge rooms talking about good stuff around footy and then cricket. Um, yeah. Budget, budget your time and your money. Now, I am on an introvert-extrovert scale. I'm probably leaning more towards introvert. So Phoebe and I, we budget our introvert energy. So when we're planning a weekend, we'll say, no, no, that's enough. That's enough hospitality. That's enough social time. I need time to mow the lawn or go for a run or whatever it might be. Um, We budget time and money, yes, but we budget energy as well. If you're tired and you're welcoming in people, you can't be as hospitable or intentional as God needs you to be. Um, And you don't have to be a good cook to be hospitable. You don't have to have a great home to be hospitable. You just need to be open. Um, I was thinking about the word hospitable this week. And I'm I'm not going to go into a Greek study or a Latin study, but I'm thinking of the word hospice. Hospice means shelter. And hospital, hospital means healing. What if hospitality was a place where people can shelter from their life and be healed? What if people on your lounges, at your dining table, on your backyard outdoor setting, around your fire pit, in your back paddock, wherever it might be, going for a walk, what if they found healing and shelter just because we opened our hearts and we gave of our ministry time and our resources to them? Jesus said, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. What if Christians, what if Christians around the town were so intentional with hospitality that there was no longer any need for community services? What if the church was that primary vehicle? And what do you think people in the Ukraine need right now? They need peace and they need shelter from war. But they need open homes. They need hospitality. And what do you think the people, the teenagers with anxiety and depression need? What do they need? More teenage friends? Maybe. They need hospitality. And what about, what about the migrants who have just moved to Tamworth, away from, their, away from their family, away from their country? What do they need? They need our hospitality. They need love. What about the person in the nursing home who's waiting for their family to come and visit them, but the family never comes and visits them? They wait at the window. What do they need? They need our hospitality. People who are hurting, people who are in need, people who are broken, they need our hospitality. Someone, anyone, just one of God's people. To offer hospitality to someone could change someone's life. To offer hospitality to someone could be a pivot point where people come to know Jesus, come to be healed, come to be sheltered from their problems. In my father's house, there are many rooms. What if, what if, you saw salvations in your lounge room. I pray for that.
I want to see that in my house. We've prayed over the rooms in our house, um, every house we've lived in. We've said, God, we want to see people change. We want to see people blessed. We want to see people come to know you. And we've seen it time and again. Can we pray? Yeah. Father God, thank you so much that when Christians open their homes, the kingdom of God moves. Thank you, Father, that when two or three are gathered, the Holy Spirit moves and the Holy Spirit ministers. And thank you so much that you, you give gifts and talents to us. You give us resources. You give us time. You give us um, energy. You give us intentions. You give us all of these good things to be used for the kingdom of heaven. And so, Father, I just pray that there will be a, a culture of hospitality on this service, that homes will be open, that people will come in and be blessed. And we pray for salvations in homes. We pray for healing in homes. We pray for discussions in homes. We pray for marriages to be restored on lounges. We pray for children to come to know you. We pray for all these good things in your mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.